Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Subscribe at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. As a subscriber, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. Sound good to you? Go to TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. That's TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by VCR Now. Are you looking for an opportunity to captivate and enhance the experience of those who visit your stadium, arena, house of worship, or business? VCR Now can help you achieve that goal with a total experience. VCR Now is a technology organization that can fulfill your LED, audio, video, lighting, networking, security, and infrastructure dreams. Visit VCRNow.com to learn more. Watch Texas Football Today live every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. And get involved in the conversation using the hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas. It is Texas Football Today, a show that is in a very ghostly mood. Spooky season. My name's Greg Tupp, yeah. Rutgers, very spooky. (laughs) My name's Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live, texasfootball.com, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, all of the places, or just on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part. Support local, mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She is the Duchess of the Dorks. She's Ashley Pickle. Happy Halloween, friends. Happy Halloween. Today is, in fact, Halloween. Auburn just fired Brian Harson. Spooky. <laughs> Today is Monday, October 31st, 2022. 24 days until Thanksgiving. Happy 55th birthday to the pride of R.L. Turner High School in Carrollton, Texas. Do you know who turns 55 today? I do not. Vanilla Ice is 55. Oh, nice. We live I in a- did not realize that he went to that high school. Mm-hmm. He's an Earl Turner guy. He's a lion. Grew up, he born in like South Dallas, I want to say. Quick side note on that real fast. There, There's a girl I went to uh, college with, and her and her husband just have a, they have a brand new newborn. Like she had, gave her like mm-hmm. three weeks ago. Um, but their Halloween costume was they... Like they were each like a bag of ice, and then they held the baby. That's that's exceptional. It was really good, a really really good. It only works if you have the baby though. Exactly. You know, like when the baby goes to bed, you gotta change because then you're just dressed as a bag Bag of of ice. Uh, episode 1487. On today's show, folks, big show. We're going to overreact to football weekend and Monday morning fallout. Then we're going to be joined by the head coach of the unbeaten. Bernie Greyhound, Shay Hendricks will join us uh, coming up here uh, from down there in, oh, I looked this up, what county they're in? Anyway, I'll look it up in the break and we'll talk about what's going on in that county. Kendall County, I want to say. Then, back out the show, we will unveil the week 11 Dave Campbell's Texas Associated Press official state rankings. This will be the uh, penultimate rankings. We don't do rankings in in the playoffs because why? It sorts itself out. And I will tease ahead we have at least new, one new number one. Which classification is it? Ooh. Tune in to find out. Uh, Kendall County is correct. Thank you. Do we have first fourth or door? We sure do. It was. Um, I'm fixing a sneeze. 
Andrew Christensen, do it. Coach do Terry it. Crawford, uh, Ed McElroy, and Zach Reckler. Welcome in, fellas. The 9-0, I have a Panthers big one over Penelope. It's <laughs> it's going to happen, but it's not right now. I'm in that like painful, my nose itch scenario. Anyway. Well, I know one thing that can cure that. Sneezing. Pickle. Hit the air ride sign. time for Monday Morning Fallout. Monday Morning Fallout, of course, when we overreact to the football weekend. Plenty to overreact to in the pentultimate week of the Texas high school football season. You really like using that word? Pentultimate? How many? Is it pent? I think it's penultimate. I, yeah, it's penultimate. There's no... The Pentul- Why do I want to say pentultimate? I think there is a T, Because a T going pent, going from the N sound to the U sound is tough. Yeah, it's anyway. penultimate. My three big thoughts. Thought number one, trajectory is not destiny. Um, going into week 10 of the Texas high school football season, I think we had our eye on a fair number of games, and, and, and we had a critical eye on a lot of them, specifically because we wanted to see how these teams would react, um, and, and we had kind of opinions on which way they were headed. Right, we thought that this was a this is an opportunity to take a look at where these teams were on the where they were going. Some teams, let's be frank, some teams we had questions about, some teams we didn't. And and I think what we learned this past week is that like each week is its own week, and each game is its own game, and even ma- each matchup is its own matchup. I think a perfect example of that is what happened in College Station. College Station took on A&M Consolidated, a team they'd never lost to, but was coming off of a really ugly loss to Georgetown, where they fell behind big early and never clawed back in. I mean, tried to claw back, but couldn't do it. Yeah. Consolidated was 10 in the rankings, too. And Consolidated was surging. That win had dropped College Station yeah. out of the rankings. And, and A&M Consolidated had taken their place. Consolidated was looking at the part. All eyes on them. College Station, it was on... Looked like it was, looked like they were going down, right? And then the game opens, and Adam Consolidate races out to a twenty-one nothing lead, and everyone's sitting there going like, "Yep, that's about right." Yeah, they're just they're just broken at this point. At this point, there's just a problem. But lo and behold, College Station roars back, knocks off thirty-eight straight points, thirty-eight straight, and wins it thirty-eight twenty-eight. A a, a wild comeback for them and proof that like you are more than just like your trajectory is not necessarily your destiny. I'll give you another example. Okay. Another example of that would be DeSoto on the other end of this. Mm-hmm. DeSoto riding high looked very good and they looked like a team that was going to challenge that was going to challenge Duncanville. Right? Duncanville but the question going into that game was, how much has DeSoto closed that gap up front mm-hmm. on the fronts? The answer is not enough. No. Especially the Dunkinville offensive line against the DeSoto defensive line. Dunkinville dominated. Okay, Caden yeah. Durham had a fantastic game. They dominated that, right? That D-line is insanely yeah. scary. Now, I think there's other places where the trajectory more or less held. Okay? I think you take a look at the way that Franklin's playing. Mm-hmm. They look like a runaway freight train, especially what they did to Cameron Yo. I think you look at the way... I think you look at the way that Allen is trending. Mm-hmm. And the trend continued with their second consecutive loss. I think you look at the way Stephenville's playing. And the trajectory continued that way. Now, that's a shocking 
yeah, lost. Yeah, I was going to say that one was a one, 50-49, a, Alvarado won. A last, play, a last play loss to China Spring is way different than a one-point loss to Alvarado. Mm-hmm. In a game you led 35-7 and led by 21 points in the fourth quarter? See, that's what I was going to say. I think that's the most shocking. Not the fact the, the fact that they lost was shocking enough, but the fact that they were up that much at half and lost, that's what's insane. Well, I mean, I do want, I do want to continue, continue moving on, but one note on Stephenville, and I think this is worth bringing up, okay? One note on Stephenville. Stephenville lost Alvarado, if you didn't know. We've talked about it that they've been playing with fire all year long, mm-hmm. okay? They had a seven-point win over Midlothian Heritage, a one-point win over Everman. They had a seven-point win over Abilene Wiley, a one-point win over Wichita Falls Rider, and now they've played back-to-back games, decided by a combined three points, and they've lost. Mm-hmm. Those things tend to even out. Anyway, I just thought that that was interesting across the state of Texas when you took a look at, at the games. You can certainly change your trajectory on a moment's notice, and I think teams like College Station did that. Mm-hmm. Thought number one. Thought number two. Home needs improvement. One thing I thought was interesting about looking at the college football landscape this week, and I think it's kind of been a running trend. I don't know if home field advantage means as much as it did. I don't think so. At least in the past. Because of the four FBS teams, in the five FBS teams in the state of Texas that had home games this week, they went one and four. The winner was Houston. Mm-hmm. Houston, they no beat coof. South Florida. They're a lot better in South Florida, but a good win. Also, a Houston team that I think is just rounding into form. Yep. Well, <laughs> they need to get it together at the very end of the game. But other yeah. than that, they they really did take it to they, them the they, whole time. They were the better team. Yeah. They 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 farted around for about mm-hmm. six minutes in that game, and South Florida looked like they might come back. Yeah. Then it, it was never gonna happen. But take a look at the other teams that were all at home that lost. UTEP. At home, Middle Tennessee in a night in a late night Saturday night affair, they lose. Texas Tech loses to Baylor. Kind of comes yeah. out real flat. Like really, just bad. never was in this game. Rice, good God, Rice! That was that was actually shocking. That is like I don't think that we're shocked up. by like a Rice loss as bad as that sounds, but like my God, this time to lose come by thirty three to a team you were seventeen point, point favorites, favorites over. 17 point favorites and and you were at home and they just fired their coach so bad that's a stinky stinky loss stinky and then there's and then there's A&M and A&M loses again at home their fourth straight loss total mm-hmm. I believe it's their they've lost back to back games at Kyle Field now yep is that right um, lost to Mississippi State mm-hmm. that was at home then they went is that right the and then road. they lost to South Carolina. That was on the road. Let me see. They lost to Alabama at home. Oh, no, that was in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, they lost to Mississippi State at home. Or at home. So they are... Is that right? No. Did they lose at Mississippi State? I, yes, I, they lost at Mississippi State, at, at Alabama, Alabama, and, and at then South at South Carolina. Anyway, so never mind. It's their first home loss. Um, it's Oh, no, the App State. I'm sorry. They lost to App State, too. Um, and we'll talk more about A&M tomorrow when we get to the, the five biggest moments of the college football weekend. But like there was watching that game when, when, when Ole Miss took the lead there in the third quarter, it really did feel like 
air came out of that building. Yeah, and I mean, well, shout out to uh, Connor Wegman because uh-huh. he he did he put up uh-huh. some real impressive numbers, but it just yeah, there that was it. Mm-hmm. Like, Not exactly. All right. Anyway, there's three big thoughts. I just thought home field advantage just kind of fallen by the wayside recently. And thought number three, closing time. It is now week 11 of the Texas high school football season. And there are, for for a number of teams across the state of Texas, and I'll be honest, if you, when you take a look at the slate, it's going to look a little bit thinner. And I think that if this were a week seven slate, we'd be like, ah, eh, it's a ho-hum week. Mm-hmm. There's, some, there's some really good games, but like overall it's much thinner. But what is going to buoy this week and what I think is going to be a focus this week is a lot of the games that have obviously massive playoff implications. As I can say, this is a this is a take your eye off the ball type of week. <laughs> this is a this is this is a hipster week. Yep. Okay. Because we like those third and fourth seeded games more. There are twenty six games this week. I went through the standings. Twenty six games this week that are straight up, no frills, no tiebreaker, no nothing. You win. You're going to the playoffs, and you get to play next week. You lose. You're blowing up basketballs. So we have 26 playoff games this week. <laughs> 26 playoff games. That's what they are. There are other games that, like, they have obviously huge implications, but you can't call them for sure winner gets in, loser mm-hmm. goes home. It's more seeding games. Because, because like, there could be a three-way tie or, or this, that, or the other. There's another game that matters. I'm saying that as far as standalone games that are going to be treated like we're going to treat the games next week, which is... If you win, you move on, and if you lose, you go home. There are 26 of them, and that's going to make this particular week of games all the more exciting. Three helmet stickers. A helmet sticker for Richmond Foster running back Ashton Ajaku. 16 carries, 214 yards, and four touchdowns rushing for the uh, Foster outstanding running back, Ashton Ajaku. A helmet sticker to an old friend. Yeah. Kevin Henry Jennings, although I believe he's going by Kevin Jennings now, but that's on me. Kevin Jennings, uh, who stepped in, Preston Stone got hurt in the SMU game against Tulsa, and this game, this game did get a little wobbly mm-hmm. there for for SMU. They looked like they were in complete command, and in fact, they were up. I want to say they're up thirty-one thirteen. There with about um uh, or or there was they have twenty four uh, seven and a half. Tulsa closes the closes the um closes things, but uh, that's when uh, at halftime that's when Preston Stone was injured. In the second half, they bring in Kevin Jennings and he orchestrates th- uh, a, a pair of touchdown drives and really kind of handles the game pretty well. It wasn't all sunshine and daffodils. He lost a fumble, right? But I thought. For his first, really his first true, like, meaningful action, Mm -hmm. I thought Kevin Jennings played pretty well. Well, and that's, and it's funny because that's, like, the difference between, like, Wegman knew he was going to be the quarterback Mm -hmm. going into the game. It's always different when you can go out there, get thrown into it, and do Mm -hmm. well. Absolutely. And a helmet sticker to Duncanville running back Caden Durham. We mentioned him, but he was the real X factor in Duncanville's big win over DeSoto. He carried the ball 19 times for 309 yards and five touchdowns on the ground. He had, like, I want to say, like, in his first, like, four carries, he had two, like, monster touchdown runs. Oh, yeah. That was that was one when we were reading the highlights on Bally. The only name we were saying was Caden like, Durham. <laughs> I want to say he had, like, a 92-yard touchdown run, and they followed it up with, like, an 81-yard yeah. or something like that. It was crazy. He was just, he's, like, breaking. And the one it wasn't like he just like missed one and like went like i mean i'm talking like it was like diving through all of them and then he just busted out three three teams to watch 
How about the Jonesboro Eagles? Big win over May. Real big win over May. We talked with Eddie Gallegos on, on Valley on Friday night, and uh, this, this obviously means a lot. That's number four over number three um, and kind of puts them right back in the driver's seat. Their only loss in the year is to Westbrook, which was uh, the number two team in the state. Uh, but a great win for Eddie Gallegos and company there, knocking off May. Um, really impressed by them. Keep an eye on Sam Houston. The Bearcats. Sam Houston continues to roll, um, and and they got a really nice win this past week over Tarleton, 40-21, ruining their homecoming. Um, now, this is a... Uh, it, it's hard to, like, because Sam Houston's not eligible for the playoff, so it's like it's hard to really, like, measure where they're at right now. But, like, at the same time, they're 5-2, and two, and you want to be trending in the right direction heading into FBS next year. I think that they are trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And finally, Prosper. They have now beaten, it's strange to say, they have a two-game winning streak against Allen. Yeah. Which is kind of unfathomable, but a really nice, weird 29-24 win over um, over Allen. And the biggest thing about that is that that means they're going to be the number one seed out of D1, mm-hmm. out of District 5-6A. So Allen is going to go on yeah, the road. Yeah, because Geyer, Geyer's going D2, right? And I, I need to check District 6. But I'm fairly certain that Louisville has locked up the number one seed, oh, which wow. means you're going to get Allen and Louisville in the first round. Oh man! On the road at That's, presumably we, Goldsmith. Yeah, we don't we don't get by district games that look like that. Maybe area round, but by district. Goodness. Yeah, watch this space. But great win for great win for Prosper, who's eight and one. Their one loss in the year is a real competitive loss to Denton Geyer. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon Schmidt's ball club can go, guys. Yep. That seems really impressive. Three to see. Looking forward to the next week. Cisco and Hawley is probably the big headliner. Um, it's probably the biggest game in the state. It's going to be a top uh, top ten matchup at least. We see when the rankings roll out exactly what these teams are ranked. But um, Good keep it on Cisco and Hawley. It's a game we kind of had circled and a real, I think, a real measuring stick for Hawley. Got a nice win, kind of a, a, a postponed game to Saturday. They go and they beat they beat um, Stanford handily. Now they get a chance to host Hawley to round out a, an unbeaten regular season if they can do it. But this is a, I'm sorry, Cisco, but that'll be a big big game. Houston at SMU. Uh, Preston Stone, it sounds like, is injured um, and and pretty severely. It sounds like it sounds like something like collarbone or something. So maybe Kevin Kevin Jennings out there going up against Houston. Um, I think I will be at that game. Will they be able to go on the road uh, to Ford and get a get a win and will be an important win in AAC play? Uh, big big matchup as before they go their separate ways. This is mm-hmm. the last conference matchup at least yep. for a minute. Yeah, and they both of these teams want this one really bad because oh, yeah. they're kind of fighting for the who's the AC team of Texas. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, let's go out west. Or I'm sorry, out east rather. To uh, Other way, Clyde. <laughs> other way. Kilgore and Tyler Chapel Hill. Uh, this game's going to be real tasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a huge, huge game. The district uh, the district title in District 9-4 Division 1 is on the line. Chapel Hill has really rallied. Both these teams, I would say, have really rallied from slow starts. Uh, but, I mean, Kilcore played what? Carthage Gilmer and, and Gilmer? They played Gilmer and Van. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and uh, you know... Or I'm sorry, no. Uh, Chapel Hill played Gilmer and Van. Kilgore played, played Gilmer Carthage, and Carthage and Gilmer. Yeah. So it's like they both started 0 and 2, but they've since rattled off seven straight. And, and those now, are two two of the best teams in four yes, division two. <laughs> absolutely. So now they'll go at it there uh, in Kilgore. It should be a fun match about there in East Texas. That's three to see. That's Monday morning fallout. 
We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com, TexasFootball.com, where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, recruiting, all across the Lone Star State. Hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Pickle. Dave Campbell's Texas Football is proud to honor one team in each classification with the Ozarka Fueled by Nature Team of the Week Award. Each school selected throughout the course of this program have exemplified the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 10 Ozarka Fueled by Nature Teams of the Week in 6A. Edinburgh North. In a crosstown rivalry with a district title hanging in the balance, the Cougars' defense stood tall, taking down rival Edinburgh 21-3 to claim their first outright district crown since 2001. In 5A, White House to Carlton Wilson caught three touchdown passes and hauled in a game-sealing interception as the Wildcats stunned state-ranked Texas High 32-27, snapping the Tigers' 21-game district winning streak. In 4A, Alvarado. In one of the biggest upsets of the year, the Indians rallied from a 21-point fourth-quarter deficit capped by Cassius Johnson's touchdown run and Cardia Collier's two-point conversion pass to Caden Ford with a minute line left to beat Stephenville 50-49. In 3A, Hallettsville pickle. Trailing by two touchdowns at halftime, the Bramas exploded out of the break, scoring five unanswered touchdowns to take down state-ranked and previously unbeaten Hitchcock 42-21. In 2A, Sunray, the resurgent Bobcats continued their remarkable 2022 season, topping Booker 48-20 to move to 8-1 of the season, the most wins in a season since 2011. In 1A, Jonesboro, in a top-five clash of six-man Titans, Caleb Crystal led a second-half surge as the Eagles took down May 65-40. In the private school ranks, Houston Kincaid, paced by a combined 251 yards and three touchdowns on the ground from Micah Bell and Miles Roeder. The Falcons took down Houston St. John's 38-28. So those are your Ozarka Fueled by Nature teams of the week. Congratulations to all the schools. We salute you. For more information, visit TexasFootball.com. Now a word from our friends at VCR Now. Born and bred in Texas hits a little different, as it should. Texas love doing business with fellow Texans. VCR now takes its Texas roots as seriously as its many partnerships with schools and universities around the state. It's also why we're so proud to promote our brand in the pages of the Texas Bible, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, and on the airwaves of Texas Football Today. Driven by producing quality broadcast video, state-of-the-art audio, and LED video scoreboards at affordable prices, VCR now makes sure to listen to your needs in its athletic department before recommending the next best steps. Building great products is our business, and it's our focus on building meaningful long-term partnerships with our clients that sets us apart. From our 24-7, 365-day help desk, the training lab in our hometown of Red Oak, or our sports marketing business plan that puts money back in the hands of our athletic departments we support, VCR Now is built to last. Reach out to us today at info at vcrnow.com or by calling 855-GO-VCR-NOW. Again, that's info at vcrnow.com or by calling 855-GO-VCR-NOW. Pickle, let's go to the hotline and let's welcome in the head coach of the 9-0 Bernie Greyhounds coming off a big win over Somerset. We're joined by Coach Shake Hendricks. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. How are things in beautiful Bernie, Texas? 
Things are great, Bernie. What a beautiful day today. <laughs> uh, nice hill country weather. Finally cooled off a little bit, a little breeze, and uh, actually feels like fall. Well, I'll say things have got to be feeling good around town, especially the way that the Greyhounds are playing. Uh, you guys coming off of a really nice win over a, a very salty Somerset squad. Um, looking back on this game, you guys win it you know, 35-14 over, over, over the Bulldogs. Uh, looking back on this game, one of the questions we really had uh, was how well you guys were going to be able to match up up front against a really big and really physical Somerset squad. Uh, is it safe to say you're pretty pleased with how well your, your guys held up in the trenches? Oh yeah, we're really pleased. You know, Somerset, you're you're right. They're really good, and you know they pride themselves on being a big physical group. And Coach Detmer's done a done an awesome job with them, and they are really good. But you know, we have a nice little rotation going defensively with our front. We had a lot of guys play and play really well. You know, and and our our offense is balanced. Um, you know, our O line did a great job too, holding up and and uh, gave Jackson a lot of time to throw. So. A good night up front for the Greyhounds. Uh, I want to go back to uh, non-district play, and specifically back in week four, you guys went on the road, and I think the real coming out party for you guys is when you went on the road to Gregory Portland and kind of put it on them, and and really played maybe your most complete game of the year, and that's saying something considering how good you guys have been. Uh, now looking back, you guys are nine and zero. That moves you to four and zero. Does that feel like an inflection point for you guys uh, that kind of launched you forward? You know, it was, that was honestly, that was our first road test too, Mm -hmm. because the week before Antonian had malfunctioned with their lights. So it was a big deal for us to get on the road, take a long road trip. We actually started the game. um, You know, we, we got stuffed on a fourth and one and they threw a bomb and they were up on us. It was a packed house, a ruckus crowd. And that was a big test for our, for our players. You know, they really hung in there. And, and from that point on, like you said, I think we probably played the best game we've played all year. So I was ultra proud of, and that was a turning point. I think our players started to really believe in what we were doing and and started to think, Hey, this thing can be pretty special. And, um, we've really worked hard since then and we've really bonded since then and grown. And and so it's, uh, it's been a really fun year. Talking Shay Hendricks, the head coach of the Bernie Greyhounds here on Texas football today, can involve the conversation at hashtag TF today. Um, Coach, you're there in your, your fifth year there at, at Bernie. You, you made the move from Frisco Heritage back in, in 2017. And you took over a program that, you know, wasn't in need of an overhaul. It wasn't in need of, of, of any, any major, you know, reconstruction with this program. A pretty good program. And yet, it, it does feel like things have kind of taken that, you know, you've taken the next step. How do you balance taking over a program uh, that, that's not broken by any means, but still going in there and putting your own stamp on it. How do you balance that uh, knowing full well that, you know, you don't want to screw up a good thing? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I really feel like, you know, as I've reflected here, I was kind of the right guy for the for the right time here. Um, you know, we didn't have to overhaul a lot. In fact, we, we kept several of the coaches. Now we did bring in a few as well. And we just kind of needed a reset and a reshift and, and kind of a commitment to – to the weight room in the summer and being here and just a few things like that. You know, we have a great community. We have awesome, awesome players. And, you know, the kids, I guess the kids were really looking for something too. And just the way they bought in has been so refreshing. And that's really the key. I think probably anywhere you go, anybody you talk to, if you have a group of players that buys in, if you get some player 
that stuff happened in the locker room. You got some strong senior leadership. Uh, things are going to go well. You know, my first year here, we had a tremendous group of seniors. Um, awesome group. We have the 4A Defensive Player of the Year, Monty Cluck. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Douglas Hodo, who just got drafted, you know, playing in the MLB. Cole Boyd's playing at Texas Tech. So we had a good roster. We had a bunch of seniors who wanted to win. And really, from that point on, um, we've just grown. I'm just thankful uh, for those guys. And like I said, kind of the right guy at the right time. Uh, one of the things that I think has been really remarkable about this year's team is it does feel like you guys have taken a real step forward defensively. Um, you guys have, you know, the, the last year the defense was was good, if if maybe a little inconsistent at times. You guys kind of relied on, on more outscoring people uh, in route to your district championship. This year, your defense has been arguably the star of the show. Uh, what is it that's working for your defense this year that has you guys flying right now? Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you can look at a lot of a lot of really good teams on Friday night and Saturday afternoons, and, and when you play really good defense, specifically when you stop the run and you make teams one-dimensional, uh, you got a real chance. And I think that's the secret to what we've done this year. This is this is one of the best fronts I've had. Um, you know, from our like I said earlier, you know, we we rotate seven or eight defensive linemen. Uh, in the game, you know, we rotate multiple linebackers and we've done a good job of making people uncomfortable. Uh, we've stopped the run, put them in third and long. And then, you know, that's an advantage for the defense when you can do that. And then, you know, to add to that, we, you know, I think our offense does a good job. We've, we've played besides really the Gregory Portland game, we've played with a lead most of the year. And so when you can play with a lead and then you can stop the run and then you make people have to throw, you know, it, it's, it's been good for us. We've got two defensive ends. They're really good at after the passer, you know, Caleb Hamby and Jeffrey Brown, um, they, they do a great job of not just stopping the run, but putting a lot of pressure on the defense and that or the offense. That helps a lot, too, when you can get pressure with four and not have to blitz all the time. So a lot of credit to those guys, you know, a lot of credit to Coach Sawyer, our defense coordinator. And, you know, it sure it sure is fun to be able to punt and know you're going to play good defense. It takes a lot of stress off. <laughs> uh, talking with Shea Hendricks of Bernie here, Coach, uh, you know, we had – some questions coming into the year about the quarterback spot and and I think understandably so because Rashawn Galloway's don't grow on trees um, and, and that guy's a heck of a ball player and yet you guys have had this 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 sophomore quarterback Jackson Bays who stepped up in in a huge way there at the quarterback spot um, can you tell us a little bit about this young man and, and and what is it about him that that makes him special Sure. You know, first of all, yeah, Rashawn, that was obviously a huge loss when you lose a guy that's your all everything guy. And what a great young man Rashawn is. He's so much fun to coach. And I think, though, the reason I'm bringing Rashawn up, I think he actually poured a lot into Jackson. You know, Jackson be able to come up as a freshman, to be able to watch Rashawn play and then to be with him through the playoffs and see how he handled himself and practice with him. You know, Rashawn comes back and hangs out. And so Jackson has taken a lot from him. But the thing we saw in Jackson from the get-go was just his poise. I mean, his natural ability is phenomenal. He's got great arm talent. But his poise and his competitiveness, um, you know, really set him apart. And um, he, he had a couple chances to to fold or, or not play well. He had some bad things happen early in the Flower Bluff game. And, boy, he just keeps to coming back stronger after any type of adversity he sees. And he's just, he's got a great family. Um, and I, I'm just so happy for him. You know, we, we made the move pretty early on. You know, it obviously we knew he was a good quarterback and, and he's been competing for this for this spot all summer and towards the end of last spring. And we just got down to it. We said, you know what, he's 
he's shown he can do it. He can lead. He can handle it. And and I think it probably made our team a little more versatile to have Houston be able to play tight end and stay at safety. You know, you talk about our defense. We felt like Houston was a big piece of making our defense go from pretty good to real good. So the overall arching team is way better, and I'm just I'm really proud of how how Jackson's handled it. Well, and and you know, you mentioned it, Coach, that that this is. Um... You, you look across your roster, and you've got a lot of youngsters out here. I mean, Jackson's uh, just a sophomore. Uh, your, your, leading run, your leading rusher, Adam Hicks, is just a sophomore. Uh, your second leading receiver, Brooks Perez, who had a fantastic game uh, there against Somerset, is just a sophomore. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned Houston. He, uh, Houston Hendricks, he's just a sophomore. I mean, up and down the line, you've got all these youngsters playing, uh, playing uh, key roles. Have they surprised you with their development, or did you see this kind of special class coming? beauty of our sophomore class is some of them, obviously the quarterback and a couple you mentioned start, but there's six or seven others that don't have to start. They're role players. And we've been able to bring them along a little slower. They've been able to come off the bench and get in the rotation, and they've kind of worked their way into these roles like Brooks Perez. You know, he he played about half the game the first part of the season, and, and now he's taken over. And, and like you saw last week, I mean, he played unbelievable. So it's been nice to not have to rely on them as early, and we've got a lot of depth. And they've been able to kind of ease their way into this thing because playing varsity football, like you know, is a hard thing to do, um, it, it's really, especially as the season goes on and the wear and tear. It's just so hard to do as a sophomore. But ultra proud of them, and, and we've got a good class, you know. And they remind me of our 23s. You know, our seniors, I think – I would say probably six or seven of these seniors now have all started or saw significant action as sophomores as well. And, man, you're just so seasoned when you play, you know, three rounds deep, two years in a row. That's a lot of football. And so hopefully with this class of sophomores uh, mixed with our juniors we have who we really like, we uh, we can keep this thing going. Well, and speaking of keeping it going, on Friday night you guys are going to try to close out um, a, 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 a- district championship try to close out the first unbeaten regular season there since 1963 as you welcome in Fredericksburg um, these are you two programs that know each other pretty well um, and I'm certainly not going to ask you to give away what you're going what you're planning on doing on Friday night but when you take a look at what you're up against against the Batland Billies coming up this week uh, what do you see well the thing with us in Fredericksburg is you can you can throw the records out the window you can throw a lot out it, it's going to be a war it's a rivalry uh, it'll be a full house it'll be a madhouse here and you know what they're playing for a district championship too you know they're trying to to tie it up and make it a three-way deal and so it's uh it's a huge game and so I think it'll be a lot of fun uh, they're really good the thing I've always appreciated about Fredericksburg is just how tough they play and how hard they play they're really solid up front on both sides of the ball um, you know we've we've played each other for four years years and it's hard to run the ball against them they're tough and it's hard to stop the run that's what they do that's their calling card so we'll definitely have our hands full for sure he's Shea Hendricks he's the head coach of the 9-0 Bernie Greyhounds coach we sure appreciate your time congratulations again on the big win on Friday night and uh, best of luck this week and down the road Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Big up, Shandrick. Head coach, Bernie Greyhounds, joining us. That was a really nice win over, for, over Somerset. And, it really was. And, and and I think I think really kind of proof of how far they've come maybe from last year, especially on the defensive side, where, mm-hmm. like, I think last year that Somerset team 
might just play bully ball on them and just like kind of mow them down. Maybe they win, but then it becomes this like 56 42 like shootout type game, right? Yeah, I was gonna sit, I, I saw them play against Corpus Christi Vets and it was like it was exciting because they've always got those skill players on the outside, they've always got the deep threat, but yeah, there was just there was almost just no size up on the lines, and that's what kind of shot them in the foot, yeah. And and so now I think they are just they're still not they're I mean, Somerset's still bigger than them, that is like can't teach that but i think that they have improved so much up front that that is really uh telling of how how far this burning team is coming how far they can go because you look at region four of four division one it's like it's them it's cal allen and it's they may be on a collision course so should be great uh to see them uh see if they can close out their first up uh, uh, shocking first undefeated regular season since 1963 yeah that's wild. To do it. so almost 60 years down there in bernie they've been waiting for it we appreciate coach hendrix hopping on with us we're at Texas Football today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com, TexasFootball.com, where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Pickle, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the leading publication for all things football in the state of Texas, and the Tax Act Texas Bowl are proud to team up this year to honor the, uh, to, to uh, rather, to recognize the most outstanding high school football players in the state each week with the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award. Each week, the Dave Campbell's Texas Football staff nominates 10 candidates for that week's award based on the previous week's on-field performance. We then leave it to you to vote at texasfootball.com. Voting closes each Friday at noon with the winner being announced shortly thereafter. Your Week 10 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Denton Geyer defensive back Peyton Bowen went nuts in their win uh, over McKinney. Nine tackles, an 84-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, an interception, and he blocked a field goal. <laughs> Laredo United South running back Brandon Benavides carried the ball 36 times for 282 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. He also had 41 yards receiving. Beckville running back and linebacker Bo Hammonds, 85 yards, three touchdowns rushing, 42 yards, a touchdown receiving, six tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, and an interception. Have a day. Killeen Harker Heights running back Rashawn Sanford's back. 14 carries, 261 yards, and six touchdowns on the ground. 14 carries. Insane. Franklin running back Jaden Jackson. They, this was the Jaden Jackson week. 17 carries, 325 yards, five touchdowns rushing, and he had three tackles in their big win over Cameron Young. Which is crazy because they also have Bryson Washington. <laughs> Poteet defensive tackle Joe Nathan Guzman. Had 14 tackles, seven and a half sacks. Oh, my God. Four tackles for loss and a forced fumble. Lord. Seven Seven and a half half sacks sacks? for Joe Nathan uh, Guzman at Poteet. Cy Fair quarterback Trey Owens went 20 of 27 for 353 yards and six touchdowns passing. San Antonio Highlands wide receiver DeAnthony Johnson. You see this every once in a while, but, like, it's, it's always fun when it happens. Follow me on this. Three catches, 199 yards, three touchdowns. Three catches, 199 yards, three touchdowns. So he just didn't get tackled. No. Light work. 
Alvarado quarterback Cardia Collier, 302 yards, three touchdowns passing, 126 yards, three touchdowns rushing, and he picked off a pass on defense there as well as Alvarado upset Stephenville. And finally, he's back. We're just going to keep nominating him. <laughs> Mineola athlete Dawson Pendergrass <laughs> ran for 481 yards and five touchdowns. He had 46 yards passing. He had a tackle and a pass breakup. Dawson Pendergrass might be the leading rusher in the state. I need to look that up. Dawson anyway. Pendergrass might be the leading all-time nominee for Mr. Texas Football I'm not Player telling you how to vote, but we're just going to keep nominating, nominating him. him. <laughs> so there it is, your Week 10 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Vote now. Vote early. For off, vote early, rather. Vote often. Vote now at <laughs> TexasFootball.com. That poor kid. <laughs> like, why does Mineola... We need to put a billboard in Mineola. Mineola. Vote for Dawson Go to TexasFootball.com. I'm tired of nominating, nominating him. him. <laughs> All right, Pickle, it's time to roll out the Week 10 Dave Campbell's Texas Football uh, Associated Press. Week 11. No, the Week 11 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press. That's what I'm here Texas for. High School Numbers. Football <laughs> State Rankings. You can't switch it on me. Uh, <laughs> of course, we have been the official rankings provider of the Associated Press since 2019. Very proud of that. Uh, and so we're proud to roll out the Week 10. 11. Week 11. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press. State Rankings, starting with Class 6A and a new number one. How about that? The Austin Westlake Chaparrales have retaking the number one spot in the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press rankings, usurping previous number one in Galena Park North Shore. Uh, it's tough to be a top ten team and lose your number one spot, but uh, we like the body of work from Westlake right now and, and their trajectory a little bit more. They get the nod. Of course, we've talked at length. They're basically one and one A. So kind of put them in whatever order you have. But they are the number one. Spring-Westfield vaults up three spots to number seven. Uh, Atascacita drops one spot with their narrow loss to Galena Park North Shore. Cibolo steal up a spot with their win over Judson. And new to the top ten, the Prosper Eagles. Big win over Allen. Let's get to the back half of the Week 11 rankings, where a little bit of kind of mixing up. Dripping Springs up two spots with their win over Del, Del Valley. Um, uh, let's see. DeSoto drops four spots with their loss to Duncanville. Uh, San Antonio Brennan up three spots with their win uh, to number 14 with their win over San Antonio Holmes. Uh, Rockwell up a couple spots. North Crowley up a couple spots. Allen drops from number 14 to number 20 with their loss. Byron Nelson drops from number 19 to number 23 with their loss uh, to South Lake Carroll. A little bit of reshuffling here in the back half, but uh, top 25 are the same. Just a little bit reshuffled there in 6A. To 5A we go. 5A Division One. Couple of couple of movement things moving here. Uh, Frisco Reedy needs a last second punt block to bo- to beat Frisco Heritage. That uh, they do finish 10 and 0, but we drop them from number five to number seven in their rankings. Uh, moving ahead of them are Midlothian and uh, Amarillo Tascosa, who got a really nice win. Uh, Anum Cataldi drops out back into their place as the team that beat them. College Station regrabs the number 10 spot. Top three unchanged: Longview, Mansfield, Timberview, and Alito. 5A Division Two. Texas High's loss uh, to White House drops them completely out of the top 10, uh, all the way out from number four. As a result, a lot of teams moving up. Now a top five team despite being idle. Montgomery, Lake Creek, congratulations to them. Grapevine also up a spot as well. Uh, everything else, kind of everyone nudges up a spot. South Hill Cliff now back up to number eight in the rankings. New to the rankings. It's the E-Block, folks. E-Block. The Everman Bulldogs are the number 10 team in, in Dave Campbell's Texas football. Rightfully so. Uh, they get a big challenge this week against number 6 Midlothian Heritage. 
to 4A we go, 4A Division One, where number two Stephenville crashes out of the rankings with their loss to Alvarado. Two straight will do that for you. Everyone kind of nudges up a spot. The new number two team is Corpus Christi Callen. Bernie, just talked to Shea Hendricks. They're up to number three. Anna Salina round out the top five. New to the rankings, back into the rankings, I should say. Kaufman, big win over Sulphur Springs this past week. They are back into the rankings at number 10. 4A Division Two. Entirely chalky, 1 through 10, unchanged. Carthage polishes off a perfect season at 10 and 0. They will finish the year all, almost certainly, I should say, uh, t- undefeated. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, I'm sorry, number one in 4A Division II. Uh, uh, yeah, because they're on a bye week this yeah, week. Yeah, they're, they're on an open date. Gilmer, I guess, could. I don't know who they play in week 11, but uh, but in any case, uh, likely to be the, 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 the number one team. But the top five remain unchanged. Carthage, Gilmer, Cuero, Silsby, and Belleville. 4A Division II. A lot of churn here. A lot of changes. Or, or I'm sorry, 4 Division 2, I should say. Uh, no changes. I was getting ahead of myself. No changes. Top 10 remain entirely unchanged there. We just did that. Yes. Man, I'm lost. Yeah. 3 Division 1. There this is we where go. we're getting the uh, Gilmer plays Pittsburgh, by the way. They're heavy favorites. They should win. It's all fun. Yeah. Uh, three A Division One. Lots of changes here. Number two Hitchcock crashes out with their loss uh, this past week. Uh, also crashing out of the rankings. Number six Cameron Yo. Everyone moves up a spot. Malakoff now up to number two in the state. Columbus, Shallowwater, and Lano round out the top five behind Franklin, who is a consensus number one. Bushland up two spots with a win over Dalhart. Brock up two spots with a win over Ponder. Lorena up two spots with a win over Troy. Back into the rankings. The Pottsboro Cardinals are number nine, and the West Trojans jump into the rankings at number 10 with their win over Dallas Gateway. 3A Division 2 now. Chalk. Entirely unchanged. Top five remains the same. Gunner, Holiday, Newton, Canadian, and Bell's your top five in 3A Division 2. 2A Division 1. Chalk. Entirely unchanged. Everyone's a winner or idol in the case of Shiner. Top five remains unchanged. Timpson, Holly, Crawford, Refurio, and Stratford. 2A Division 2. Catching a chunt here. Mm-hmm. Chalk. One through ten entirely unchanged. Top five remain unchanged. Mart, Burton, Wellington, Wink, and Chilton are your top five. 1A Division One now. A little bit of movement here. Because of Jonesboro's win over May, they vault up to number three. Rankin and Happy also move up a spot. May drops from number three to number six. Garden City uh, is uh, remains the same at number seven. Bob, back half, in, in fact, entirely unchanged. Garden City, Erie County, Gordon, and Medina. Abbott, still your number one team in the state. 1A Division 2, entirely chalky. 1 through 10, entirely unchanged. Top 5 remain the same. Benjamin, Cherokee, Balmeray, Oglesby, and Richland Springs, your top 5. To the private school ranks, in the 11-man ranks, everything remains the same. 1 through 5, unchanged. Dallas Parish Episcopal, Austin Regents, Houston St. Thomas, and Argyle Liberty Christian were all winners. Plano Prestonwood was on an open date. And in the 6-man ranks, we do have a little bit of change. Number 4, Conroe Covenant crashes out with their second consecutive loss. They lose to number 1, Pasadena First Baptist, who's now 8-0 on the year. Uh, Lucas Christian and Baytown Christian remain the same. 4th, Covenant Classical, despite an, uh, an open date, uh, it remains uh, moves up a spot at number 4. And new to the ranks. Rankings, the Warriors, the Bastard Tribe Consolidated, the pride of TAIAO, they finish off a 10-0 perfect regular season there. Uh, they grab the number five spot in the six-man private school rankings. So there you have it, your week 11, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press, Texas High School Football Rankings. You can find all the rankings at texasfootball.com slash rankings. Let's go over to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. Um, we're getting called biased for our rankings, which always just makes me chuckle. Um, but for who? I don't know. Biased. Um, just but generally, yeah. Oh, but I the the one the one that has everyone up in 
flames or maybe just questioning is uh, the the Westlake North Shore yeah. about how we're deciding. I think it's, I think I mean, it's, one, they're both really stinking good. I think they're <laughs> one and one A. I think that we take a look at the, you know, I think we take a look at the way that that Atascocita game went. Um, went. I think right now we kind of just had the conversation. Um uh, within the Dave Campbell's Texas football staff, who would you pick right now, Westlake or, or North Shore head-to-head? And I think we'd take Westlake. I think that's, you know, I think it's close, mm-hmm. but I think right now we'd take Westlake. I think that the uh, the offensive con- uh, the offensive concerns uh, are real for, for North Shore. I think mm-hmm. after the, I think you saw that up against... Uh, against um, Manville. Against, no, against Atascocino. Yes. And so, yeah. So we, we, we bump Westlake back up to number one. It's one and one A. You know what I mean? I think reasonable people can disagree. Maybe Duncanville's your number one team. I don't know. But I would go with Westlake. Right, right now we're going with Westlake as the number one team. Oh, uh, the one that we're being biased on apparently is Brock because they are a four-loss team, which, again, sure. we... I, it, yeah, and your mileage may to, vary, right? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Your mileage may vary, but let's also consider the fact that Brock uh, does have four losses, mm-hmm. but they are, uh, according to the computer rings, they're number six, by the way. Um, so we, ha- we are... We have them at underrating seven, yeah. them. Um, their losses are to Pleasant Grove, mm-hmm. state-ranked 4A Division II team. Wichita Falls Hershey in, in overtime, mm-hmm. uh, which is... Are they still ranked? They might have crashed out of the rankings. Um, no, uh, they are. They're, they're ranked 8th in 4A Division II. Wimberley, an unbeaten th- uh, 4A Division II they're team. They're 6th in 4A Division II. And Gunner, the number one team in 3A Division II. Mm-hmm. So, um, we, and by the way, all those games were very close. All those games are the most. The, the, they lost to Pleasant Grove by 21, and they were up seven nothing at halftime. So, um, and they've since beaten. They've handed Whitesboro their only loss of the year. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Your mileage may vary, but like the computer rankings really like Brock. We like Brock on the hoof. We've seen them in person. Yeah, I've seen them uh, play in person. They're they, really good. We think when they play three A Division two or three A Division one teams that they're pretty competitive. So you know. Now four I don't know. Two, yeah. uh, four, uh, three division one. Oh, got, well, when they're playing, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yes. When they're playing three division one teams are pretty good, and so, um, yeah, there you go. Cool. That's gonna do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash/DaveCampbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com/slash/DaveCampbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to Bernie, head coach Shay Hendricks for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please get your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today. Mm-hmm.